All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you see Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. Adam's here like I don't I will cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and down wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to just bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week. Episode 150 
That's a big number. That's a big round number. Uh, joining me now on the line, actually, before I get to him, shout out to the folks at Zephyr Epic, the presenting sponsor of this show. I don't know if you've seen how much of, I don't know if you've seen as much as I've seen online quads, but a lot of sick pulls uh, in the series two, which you can get on the wait list for right now at ZephyrEpic.com. Promo code hockey season, all one word, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off and free shipping on orders over $50. Quads, how you doing, man? What's uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Any any big pulls uh, coming from Burnaby? Uh, nothing much. I am seeing uh, you getting a lot of Ollie Levy cards. You're stocking up on those Ollie Levy cards, aren't you? Tell everybody about that because that's just amazing to me. <laughs> well, I have been. I've uh, I'm not in the in the stock game yet. You know, I'm not investing in stocks like our guest who will bring it in just a second here. Uh, but I am investing in Ollie Levy Young Gun rookie cards. Uh, you know, buy stock while it's low. I'm getting them for like four dollars a pop right now. You know, we'll be laughing in, in 15 years when he turns out to, to put up more points than Quinn Hughes. That's a hot take. Uh, but no, that, that won't happen. But maybe it'll raise up a little bit. Maybe he is a top four defenseman and we'll be, you know, the young gun will be worth something one day. Amazing. I think that should be our first question to our guest, Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Harmon, is the value of any of Chris's Ollie Levy cards going to go up in value? Uh, maybe marginally. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't <laughs> bet on, I wouldn't bet on a GME kind of traje- trajectory. It's, I don't think you're going to see it go GameStop. <laughs> well we'll see maybe just when he's about to get kicked out of the league somebody invests in him and just blows up we'll see what we'll have to see what happens but for three dollars you know i feel like i'm getting a good deal here on your levy rookie cards the the demko rookie cards those have been going through the roof you could buy those last week for about 20 bucks and uh the, the cheapest i'm seeing now is about 50 dollars. so uh maybe we'll we'll start right there i guess since that's kind of uh, one of the big news stories of the week, definitely a big news story from on the ice. Uh, and I'm excited to get you in on this conversation, Harm, because I heard you this morning on Halford and Bruff. I wasn't really sure if you're half awake or half asleep. Uh, it was a pretty early one for you. So I'm excited uh, to get your take here just on the, the five by five that we have for Thatcher Demko moving forward now. Yeah, I think there's a tendency anytime a contract is signed where people want to immediately label it as hey, uh, on one end of the extremes, it's either a steal or it's a terrible contract. And I think with the Demco one, it's a perfect example of something that kind of falls into the middle. It's a big bet by the Canucks that clocks in at a pretty reasonable valuation, right? So from Vancouver's perspective, they're able to lock in Demco through his prime years between his age 26 and 30 campaigns. They're buying three UFA years. And that's really the benefit, benefit that they're gaining where the alternative scenario could have been if Demko signs a two or three year bridge deal, it's walking him straight to UFA. And if he can do, and if he continues the kind of form that he's on right now, um, which granted is a crucial assumption, but if he if he is consistently a top ten goalie, he's going to be a whole lot more expensive, and you probably have to give him six or seven years. Plus, he's going to be twenty seven or twenty eight, meaning you're going to be signing him through his thirties, where that's when some goaltenders can fall off their game. Versus now. You're only signing him till 30, right? It's the heart of his prime and nothing more. Uh, So that's, I guess, the compelling side from Vancouver, where if Demko can hold up his end of the bargain as above average starter, um, then the Canucks are are able to kind of, they have those UFA years at a manageable rate. Now, from Demko's perspective, he's able to lock in, obviously, that long-term security. He's only played in 62 NHL games, and that's kind of, that contract has set yourself up for life kind of money. Um, and even going into like he was arbitration uh, eligible. And so the lack of games played would have kind of uh, that, that side of the, the ledger would have been like the Canucks would have had uh, leverage there, no matter how well his, his numbers would have been just the fact that he hasn't started many games. 
Um, and, and also just in general, and, and this is where I think it's appealing for Demco to lock in is goaltenders are extremely volatile. Um, I'm in the goalies or voodoo camp personally. Um, it's not anything against Demko specifically, but you look at like, you do see guys like Matt Murray, right? He wins two Stanley cups, looks like he's a real deal. And then randomly just kind of flops, right? Uh, we're seeing Carter Hart this year, uh, Jordan Bennington, uh, Tristan Jari. I mean, if uh, I'll, I'll frame it this way, if Carey Price who was universal, universally recognized as the best goaltender in the league last four seasons? He's been a he's been below a nine ten save percentage in three three of the four campaigns, right? So if, if that can happen to Carey Price, I mean all bets are off for any goalie. So I think it's just overall uh, of all top positions. So I think that uh, that lends itself to being favorable for Demko, and that's why I think it's a good deal for both sides. They each get what they kind of want. I think from I think at the end of the day, it's a calculated, reasonable long-term bet that um, makes both sides pretty happy. Yeah, I think that was kind of our feeling, you know, doing an emergency podcast and talking about it. It felt like a, it felt like a really good deal. I think there weren't a lot of fans that were that were, you know, throwing out some negativity on Twitter about this. It felt like everyone was really positive in this. What was what was the kind of just like the first initial thought that really crossed your mind after you saw five by five for Thatcher Demko? And uh, actually, make it the second one because the first one had to be I have to write an article about this because you had one up in about <laughs> fifteen minutes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, the first honestly, the the first reaction I kind of had was honestly not about Demko specifically. It was just the fact that it was a long term contract kind of took me by surprise. I think a lot of us expected that it would have probably been a two or three year deal because you just don't see too many instances where um, you, you know teams are usually conservative with their bets, right? Like even when you look at uh, when Brock Besser kind of signed his next contract. The organization, the rhetoric coming out of it was like, okay, we really like Brock. We want to keep him, but we're still kind of in wait and see mode in terms of assessing what exactly he is as a player. And so in that instance, they went bridge over long term. And I know part of it was because they didn't have a whole lot of salary cap space there to bump up the AAV if they did go long. But the fact that they kind of like bridged Besser as, as a core piece there, um, I definitely figured that they would have bridged Demko too versus in this situation – they they have made their bet now, right? They're not kicking the can down the road. And so from that perspective, I kind of looked at the cap situation, you know, just in terms of modeling out what it may mean for other sort of players on this roster. And because they signed him long, obviously the 5 million AAV is a little bit higher than you would have anticipated, obviously with the benefit of you get long-term gain. Um, and what kind of stood out to me is, you know, this summer becomes the cap crunch becomes even tighter. Um, and it's one of those scenarios where I think the Canucks are looking at next season and saying, well, we know we're going to be kind of in a position where because we have to resign Pedersen and Hughes and, and now obviously Demko too, we kind of almost have to bite the bullet and, and wait for these bad contracts to peel off. Like next year isn't an all in season. Um, if it was, I think you would have seen them kind of go for a more aggressive, uh, aggressive bridge to keep the immediate costs lower. Uh, and and a, in terms of ramifications elsewhere on the roster, like you probably don't have space to re-sign Tanner Pearson anymore. To be to be quite honest with you, um, just when you model it out, and I think that's really interesting. Um, which honestly, I think that is that is the correct decision to let Pearson walk, or or rather to trade him at the deadline and then not re-sign him. Um, but it's just interesting, and I think it lines up with Jim Benning's comments uh, last month where he said it may take two years, which 
I know for a lot of fans, like it's been so long and, and it sucks to have to hear that. But logically, when you look at just the cap breakdown and how many deals come off two seasons from now rather than next season, and that includes Erickson, that includes Beagle, that includes Roussel, that includes the Luongo recapture penalty, that includes Holpe. Um, it's just, it, it, it makes a lot of sense why next season may not be an all-in year. So that was kind of a sidebar um, after, you know, just looking at the contract as a whole. Speaking of contracts, Harmon, I wanted to pose a question to you, moving away from Thatcher Demko and onto another goaltender, Braden Holpe. We were briefly talking about this on our emergency episode, and it was basically, what do you think you have to give Seattle in order to take the Holtby contract off your hands? It's a really good question. I think um, if you look at the precedent, um, I'm trying to remember, I'll actually just quickly pull it up right now, um, the Mark Stahl um, contract. But another one, um, uh, another recent comparable, obviously, is when Toronto paid Carolina to take the last year Patrick Marlowe's contract, that was uh, six million in cap space. But but the key there, which obviously is higher than Holpe's cap it, the key though is Holpe's being paid five point seven million in, in hard cash, right? His contract's backloaded, and so in a flat cap environment, that extra cash is going to make it so that moving that contract is going to be more expensive, right? Uh, if you look at say for example Jay Beagle's contract that deal is probably easier to get off your books because his contract was front-loaded where he's not owed a lot of cash. So, I mean, maybe a first-round pick. That seems a little bit on the high side. I guess, you know, somewhere between a first and a second would kind of be the valuation that Seattle would put on it, Um, which, again, sounds steep, but the reality is, like, Brayden Holpe, despite his credentials as a former Vezda winner, as a former Stanley Cup winner, um, if you're Seattle, you're going to have a lot of teams that want to dump dump uh, their problems on you. And you know that coming into this expansion draft, your cap space is your biggest asset. You can weaponize that. And so I don't really think that they're, that they're going to be in a position to really do the Canucks a lot of favors. So, you know, my first glance, you know, without going too deep into it, my feeling would be um, either like a first or a second round pick. See, I, I find that that's a little bit of a different situation from the Marlowe one because that was $6 million for an immediate buyout, right? Like that that situation was a lot different. Where in this one, like it feels like Holtby might be one of the guys that can actually contribute to a team's, you know, as they're constructing their their culture and trying to build this squad. It feels like there is a place for, for Holtby to be there. And I know that this is something that you've written about a lot lately. Uh, just looking at what the Canucks can really – are going to have to like expose to Seattle – like it feels like there's not going to be a lot of a lot of great picks for Seattle to go through. I feel like Tyler Myers' name might be out there for the defenseman. You know, it's hard to kind of imagine which forward's going to be. It really depends how it plays out. But could it be Jake Vertanen and then Brayden Holtby as kind of the options of the big three that they're going to put out there? It just feels like maybe Holtby might be. You don't have to really attach as much as how I kind of feel about it to get Brayden Holtby off the books because he is still going to help a Seattle cracking team in their first year maybe I mean definitely the off-ice component but I don't know I don't know how much he's helping on the ice right like you've got two seasons now where he's been below 900 right like he's I I feel like at this point it depends on how much Seattle would sorry yeah some safe driving mode came up on zoom it was weird (laughs) um (laughs) I'm definitely not driving um so yeah anyway like it, it depends on how they rate Holpe's 
I guess, uh, brand or like name value because on the ice right now, like he's a below average goaltender. Like he's just straight up a backup. And I think, again, even you, you may look at Vancouver's roster and say there isn't a whole lot of value there. But again, like you can, you know, every that there's an opportunity cost to taking on Holpe's, what's he making? Like four, four, four point three. There's an opportunity cost about four point three million dollars. You can take that four point three and let's say a team like Tampa. Tampa will give you will will give you picks and assets to take on, say, Tyler Johnson's salary, right? Like right, like mm-hmm. every dollar that you don't um sorry, let me rephrase that. You have to very efficiently allocate every single dollar if you're Seattle because Otherwise, you just don't have a lot of assets to work with. You're building a franchise from start. So maybe maybe they, they look at Vancouver and say there aren't a lot of attractive options. We may as well just take the veteran backup. Um, but I kind of look at it as, you know, if, if you're looking to most efficiently allocate what assets you have, the cap space is just like it matters so much for Seattle. And and I, I just personally, if I was in Seattle's shoes, I wouldn't be that attracted to Braden, Braden Holpe because – it's not really close to being worth $4.3 million. Um, and if and if I was looking at this Vancouver roster, I would much rather take a gamble on, say, a Zach McEwen than take on, you know, a Jake for 10, where, again, it's it's the cap space, it's the salary. Um, you know, you're not just moving players around. It, it's all about contracts these days, and I think that's uh, a hindrance. But, hey, maybe Seattle views it differently. That's actually a good follow-up into our next question, Harmon. Uh, I wanted to ask you who you think from Vancouver Seattle's going to take. And another one on that, which goaltender around the league do you think is going to be available for them to take? Yeah. So I think um, with Vancouver, again, it kind of depends. I anticipate that they will probably um, add in extra help up front or on the back end. I imagine prior to the draft, because when you model it out right now, there really isn't a, there really isn't a whole lot. Like I imagine at this point, the Canucks are probably protecting a guy like Cole Lind over say Jake Pretanen, right? Just because Lind is a, a prospect that can maybe help you out on his ELC. Whereas, um, you know, a guy like Pretanen may not be worth it or, or even like, I even think I have to do the exact protection kind of, uh, you know, modeling around uh, again, but there may even be a scenario where the Canucks can protect Lind, Bertanen, and Gaudet, right? And Mott. Um, I have to go back and, and kind of double check on that. So I think if you're Vancouver right now, or if you're Seattle, I should say, it's, there isn't a whole lot. Like I'd rather, much rather just take a gamble on, on a guy again, like McEwen, who probably won't hit as much more than a fourth liner, but he's cheap. And um, there just isn't a whole lot because you look at the back end, like the Canucks, right now are in a position where he was obviously is exempt, right? So you're probably going to protect Schmidt. Uh, you don't have to protect Edler because he's on an expiring contract. And so then you're looking at Schmidt, Vilevi, and then um, what, like Jalen Chatfield or something like it's <laughs> like the third guy is, is, is probably an AHL caliber defenseman. So um, right now I think you're in a pretty good position if you're Vancouver and that's why they can take advantage of this expansion process. Um, and then in terms of the other goaltenders around the league, uh, that's a really good question. I think, um, does Bobrovsky have an NMC? I think so, yeah. Right, it, so... It changes then, for the last three years into something. I can't remember exactly, though. Right, so then you're probably, like if I'm Seattle, Chris Drieger, probably guy that I'm looking at, uh, journeyman guy that's kind of come up and been really solid for the Panthers in net. 
Um, I think he's one that comes to top of mind. Uh, other than that, um, what are some other teams? Like Columbus is fine because I think Merz Leakins is, is exempt. Um, yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've got to be honest. I haven't really looked too deeply into each of the goalie situations yet. I've mostly only looked at skaters because that's just what the Canucks would be targeting. But I think Drieger would be an interesting one. And then maybe a guy like, I don't know, Casey DeSmith uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are, Drieger for sure, I think would be attractive. Yeah. Um, but after that, yeah, like I, I think I have to do a little bit of homework on, on the goalie situation there for Seattle. <laughs> Most definitely. I feel like this is turning into a Kraken podcast pretty quick. So let's or, uh, well, Vegas too, right? They can only protect one of Flurry or Leonard. So wow, that's a good one too. Is Leonard yeah. contract up this year though? No, Leonard no, signed, signed an signed extension. extension. Oh, that's right. He's got the long one. Yeah, interesting spot there, I guess too. Okay, well let's move on uh, from the expansion draft. This is going to be the thing that we talk about for like two months straight after the Canucks are finished <laughs> with their regular season yeah. here. So uh, I want to dive into a couple things uh, right off the top. I, I heard an interesting conversation when you were on with Halford and Bruff this morning. Uh, lucky enough to to listen on my way back home this morning, and and I just you guys were talking a lot about the three centers, right? They they were really pushing the idea of JT Miller as a third line center moving forward. And something that I kind of heard you pushing back on was that the Canucks just might not have enough wingers to set up a top nine in that situation. Um, I'm curious because like, I think that there is, there's definitely some top six wingers in the system. I know that Vasily Pod Colson is one I want to get into with you kind of to start with right off the top. But if you were to go with that group and say that, you know, Elias Pettersson's your first line center, Horvat's your second line center, JT Miller's your third line center like who would be the guys on the wings that would be getting the most ice time with that group? Because like you kind of mentioned it, if it's not JT Miller, you know, Brock Besser is probably the first name that pops off the page, but what guy kind of rounds out to make that line with Elias Pettersson or Bo Horvat or whichever one's getting the most ice time, like which winger do you think would be getting the biggest jump in ice time, I guess, if they were to go with that three center look? Well, I don't know how much of a jump because he's already been playing a lot, but I think, you know, you're leaning that much more on Nils Hoaglander then, right? Um, so that's one right off the top where, um, you know, he probably he probably goes from someone that's playing, I think he's playing roughly second line minutes to, to he's probably going to get, he'd probably get a bump of a couple minutes, maybe a minute or so, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it, but it kind of adds up with the course of regular season at five and five. Um, beyond that, I mean, Tyler Mott is probably someone who would then be, um, you know, maybe whether it's on a shutdown line kind of role, um, maybe with Horvat or whether it's with Miller, he's probably someone that's he's again, Mott's kind of a guy that already sneakily gets quite a bit of ice time, but you're probably going to have to lean that much more on Tyler Mott. Um, and then uh, a guy like I, I guess it kind of depends. Like you're, you're, you'd hope you'd be hoping to see if a guy like GBVC can hit, right? Um, he's looked solid so far, but um, we're still waiting to see some uh, semblance of scoring, right? Like he's got to be able to add that, and I think he's someone that you wouldn't mind on your third line, but I don't think you want consistently in top six. Um, and then it kind of hinges on your prospects, right? Like you would need Pod Colson to hit, right? Um, and it's not just you need, you need them to hit. You need them to be impact players right away, which may not be a guarantee. Um, so it would be like Pod Colson. Um, you'd hope for Colin. Who else am I missing? Because my recall memory is awful. So I, I miss guys like all the time. <laughs> well, um, I, I, a guy like Vertanen. But like, yep, see, that's the thing. Can you trust? Like we've seen Jay, he's got four four points this year, right? Like if you go back to 
um, his bubble uh, and include that sample of games um, over his last. Um, sorry, I don't even remember the games played, Matt, but like he's essentially scored at a 20 point pace. Um, you know, so, sorry, if you look at the last like 50, 50 or so games going back to the bubble, he scored at roughly a 20 point per 82 game pace. Like he's scoring at a fourth line clip for the last like 50 games, right? And I know he's capable more for sure. Um, but the question you have to ask yourself is, are you comfortable with him, say, as you're a full-time right winger with Bo Horvat, right? And so that's where it gets a little bit dicey. And I think that's where, like Halford and Bruff kind of mentioned, you can look to target middle six guys on, especially the trade market. And I think that would be the avenue where if you can bring in a little bit of, of outside help, then I think it becomes a whole lot more viable to be able to um, slot Miller down the middle. Because right now I just think it's a bit too shallow. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the interesting thing that you guys talked about in the conversation was that, you know, middle six wingers are something that is attainable. I mean, you can be found in free agency. And I mean, looking at the way this Canucks team has been running this year, I mean, you can find it on the waiver wire at times. So it does bring up the opportunity to bring in wingers to fill that spot. Like a Josh Levo. Yeah, exactly. Josh Lebo, Jimmy Vc is a great example of a guy you brought up. Yeah. Like I, I'm all in the camp from what I've seen so far from Jimmy Vc that, yeah, this guy should be able to compete for a third-line winger spot. I, I feel a lot more comfortable in the limited sample size that I've seen, but from a lot of that I've heard, I feel a lot more confident in a Jimmy Vc coming into next season over an Antoine Roussel to play third-line minutes. Yeah, just 100%. From the play that they've had and, and the, the – you know, just from what I've heard and everything, and just the limited vision that we've seen of him, it makes a lot of sense to see him compete as well. But with Pod Colson, I want to dive into him a little bit more because obviously there was there was a lot of hype for Niels Huglander coming into this season. I mean, we saw all the, the crazy goals that he scored, the lacrosse goals. Everybody, every time he gets the puck behind the net, Canucks Twitter goes nuts. Uh, it's it's a lot. Then there was a lot of hype on Huglander. It's a different spot with Pod Colson because I think because the points are there, there's not as much of that that type of hype. But for those people that are watching him and analyzing his game and seeing the thing that he brings to a game, the hype is absolutely there. So in my eyes, looking at these two prospects, if they would have both came in this season, I think that Vasily Podkolzin would have been the better player, more impactful on a Canucks roster. And I think that's saying a lot now that we've seen what Niels Huglander has been able to do. Do you think that next season Podkolzin has a similar impact, a better impact, or a worse impact than what we've seen with Huglander and how it's kind of played out so far? Um, yeah, quickly before I get into Pod Colson, when I said Josh Levo, let me just clarify. I meant like that's an example of like it worked for the Canucks. I'm not saying they should go after Josh Levo because <laughs> he's clearly kind of like after the knee injury, he's kind of washed. So just wanted to clarify that. Um, <laughs> on Pod Colson, yeah, uh, it's interesting because like the the way I often see prospects is when they're as young as they are, like not, especially 19, 20, you see such rapid growth in their games over like a summer where. Like if you talk to a lot of, for instance, SHL evaluators um, who watched Hoaglander in uh, in Rogla just before the start of the NHL campaign, um, you know, whether it's uh, Cam Robinson or I talked to a couple of scouts, like they'd watch Hoaglander and they said like, he's going to be a really exciting player, but he doesn't quite look ready yet. But the amount of growth that he had from the start of the SHL season to when he joined Vancouver's training camp, it was a night and day difference. And it's not that like these prospect evaluators were necessarily wrong because when they watched Hoaglander, like you, and, and when I kind of watched the tape, it didn't necessarily stand out to me like, Hey, he's going to be a top six winger right away in the NHL. So it's one of those instances where like a few months or, you know, four to six months can make such a huge difference in a player's development when they're that young. 
And so with a guy like Pod Colson, even it's tough to kind of, especially because he's, he's because of the environment that he's in and, uh, in Russia right now, um, where he, I, I mean, it's gotten better recently where he's getting some more opportunities on, say, the second power play unit on the PK, slowly kind of working his way up the lineup. But for, for most of the season, um, especially in the early parts, it, you know, he was still playing on that fourth line. He was playing with grinders. And when I, like, I talked to one assistant general manager in the KHL for rival team, he said, like, it's not just that Pod Colson's playing these limited minutes, but when he's playing with these grinders, it's like he has to play chip and chase hockey because if he makes a turnover, the coach is benching him. So it's almost tough to really evaluate what exactly he is in the KHL. And that's kind of the argument that I made um, at the start when he wasn't producing was like, guys, like, let's not worry too much because, you know, for, for, for better or worse, we're, we're not really going to have a, have a gauge on his potential North American impact until he actually comes here because of just how volatile that environment is, lack of opportunity. Now, obviously things have looked up for him recently. I think he's gaining confidence. He's looking better and better by the day. The points are starting to come. Um, you know, I think he's one of those players where for sure, I think at least from a two-way perspective, like you watch him play, man, like he'd be ready for a shutdown role right away. If that was, if, if that was how the Canucks wanted to deploy him in, in sort of a defensive sort of role against the other team's best players. Um, like his, like in favor, you can speak to this too. His, he's got an elite two-way impact in the KHL as what, like a 19-year-old in one of the toughest men's, men's leagues. Like the way he's able to back check, forecheck, his positional intelligence. Um, he never cheats the game. The reads that he's able to make, how he takes passing lanes away. Like the way he's like sprawling and willing to take, uh, willing to sacrifice his body to block shots. Like, He's got such a mature two-way game. And this is one of those things where, like, I talked to Jim Benning at the start of, like, before the start of the season. And he said, like, this was back when the possibility of Pod Coles joining midseason was, uh, like, it seemed a lot more plausible. And he kind of told me, like, yeah, Pod Colson comes in. Like, we could see him being, and this was, like, internally they viewed Pod Colson as, hey, we could slot him in next to Horvat and Pearson right away on that second line. So, um, I think from a two-way perspective, he'd be ready for kind of a middle six role. The the question I have is, and this is where I'm not doubting him. I'm just genuinely not sure. I don't know how his offensive game is going to translate right away. Like, I think he definitely has the offensive tools to be uh, a complimentary top six forward at some point, but not everyone can make an immediate impact like Hoaglander did or, or like Pedersen or Besser did, right? Like, think back to Bo Horvat. When he came into, when he like broke in as uh, as a rookie, he started on the fourth line, and he was kind of this. I think he had what like twenty five points his rookie season. Like he wasn't a big producer, right? So my question is, will he have the offensive upside to stick in, say, like a second line kind of role? Um, I genuinely don't know, um, and so that's where you know, from a two way perspective, I know he's ready. It's just a matter of okay, is he going to have to start in the bottom six, or is he going to be ready for a more prominent role? Yeah. I think that's that's the thing about the offense that actually is a very similar thing to Niels Huglander this season where, you know, Huglander's stats in the SHL before he came in this year weren't great. Like, they were good, like, for sure. And his advanced stats, I mean, his course, he was ridiculous, uh, tracking at one of the top 25 in the SHL this season before he came over. But he wasn't putting up the points that you might expect as a guy who was going to jump right into a top six role in the NHL. I think you're seeing a very similar spot with Pod Colson because of the things that you mentioned there of him having to play with grinders, having to dump and chase certain things like that. And then just the other comparable with these guys that I just totally noticed with Hugliner and Pod Colson is both of them just seem to be 
maybe like a step ahead of the rest of the guys that they're playing with as playmakers. I mean, you see it with Pod Colson a lot more when he plays in World Junior, right? I mean, how many yeah. times did he set players up for absolute dynamite scoring chances that they couldn't bury? It's it's a similar thing in the KHL, right? Like he is setting up a lot of plays. He's one of the guys who, when he's in the offensive zone, he's not the one losing possession on the cycle. He's making the right pass to continue that cycle and maintain offensive possession. And when you and that was just a similar thing that you saw with Huglander, where it was like, man, I can't wait for him to be able to have Horvat shot from the slot as an option for him to pass. Right. To. And that's the exact same thing that I kind of feel with Pod Colson when he jumps in. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be probably my favorite story to follow next season, to be 100% honest, because of the years that I've been watching Pod Colson now. Um, and I think we're just running out of time here on the Zoom meeting. So uh, final question for you, Harm, and maybe you guys can two-on-one me in this spot. Can you give some props to the movie Cars? Because I haven't seen it, and I know you guys are big supporters of it. Yeah, um, I was definitely a, a big fan of it as a kid. Um, you know, Lightning McQueen. I, I honestly don't really remember the storyline too much. I'm not going to lie, just because it's been so long. But I, I thought it was a banger back in the day. Like, I, I, I think I think people are sleeping on Cars. I haven't watched Cars 2. And honestly, like, sequels for most of these kind of movies kind of suck. So I, I'm not going to speak on Cars 2. It's probably not very good. But the original Cars was a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll defend Cars any day of the week. Cars is good. It's Cars 2 and 3 that are really not good. And even Cars 1 is like an okay Pixar movie, which means it's a good kids movie. It's a good kids movie, but Cars 2 and 3, those were not as good. Like, not nearly as good. The first the first one, I'll give you that. That was a good one. But yeah, 2 and 3, Chris, you can skip those. Just watch the first one. <laughs> well, it's, it's so weird, like, talking to you guys, because when I grew like, when I was growing up and when I was a small child, like, the big child movie was Lion King right? Like when that was like, you know, I, it came out in 1994. I was born in 93, but like, I'd see it when I was probably three years old and it was like a year or two old at that point. And Lion King was like the big one. And obviously that's one of the most well-known, you know, movies for children, movies for really movies in general, but like you guys were both born in the year 2000, I think, right? Like you were both yeah. 2000s. Yeah. So what yeah. was that movie for you? Like when you were one or two or three years old, that was like the best children's movie. And we only got two minutes here. So we gotta be quick. Mm. Jeez, um, you go first. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I really enjoyed The Lion King. Um, other <laughs> than that, um, like the one that kind of this wasn't maybe like as a like not like when I was like three or four years old, but uh, I was a huge SpongeBob fan. So the SpongeBob SquarePants movie was just, dude, it it hit the spot, man. Like it was unbelievable. So those were those are the kind of two that stuck out. I'm pretty sure there's others that like I'm just completely missing that i probably watched uh watch a ton so okay so there's that one harman's harman's absolutely right that was that was certainly one of them david hasselhoff can't go wrong i yeah. know that was when i watched the movie but my parents were like hey i know that guy and i was like all right great <laughs> um and then the other movie i don't know if you remember this it's very niche i don't know why this is the one that sticks out for me being like five it was called small soldiers do you remember that movie Harmon? because like no i don't so- it was so hyped up and I don't remember the movie. I don't remember the storyline at all, but I remember being at the movie theater and they just had small soldier stuff all over the place. And I remember it lined up at the time my brother had his birthday party and his friends were all like, we got to watch small soldiers. I don't remember the movie though. Like I, I will have to Google it and remember what this movie is. About, <laughs> but that's the one that sticks out for me as like a five-year-old. I'm pretty sure. And hopefully podcast fans will remember this, but there was, a real good show podcast episode way back in the day with Justin Morissette. 
and they did like a review of that movie and it was absolutely hilarious if, if anybody can find that it's great i would have thought that like when i think of your guys is like i think of movies in the 2000s i thought holes was going to be the one that stuck out because that's the one that sticks out for me as like a kid's movie in the 2000s i okay i've got a few more and holes holes is one of them but it's not like i don't know like harman what do you think of holes we got two minutes less than i don't think i watched it I don't think okay. I've watched it. You should watch Holes. The ones Good that I movie. have to say, Robots, Madagascar, and Chicken Little. Those were the big ones for me. Oh, Madagascar was really good. Yeah. And Chicken Little was good. We've got less than a minute. This is going to end really, really poorly. Chris. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up on, on Harm's, saying, Harm's last word on the podcast will be Chicken Little. Uh, so, <laughs> so Harm, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, continue, uh, continued success to you. You're crushing out at the athletic lately. Um, maybe just as we have a minute left here, anything else coming up big uh, for you here now that we've had some time off? Um, I'll have to check the calendar, honestly. Um, yeah, I think w- w- who says no, like trade proposals? Uh, we had the Queen Hughes Q&A. Uh, that's probably getting pushed back. That, that is getting pushed back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been fun subscri- subscriber Q&A. Uh, but uh, that'll come out at some point. And sure, a lot of uh, a lot more trade deadline stuff. Awesome. Well, we're excited for it. And uh, we're always excited when you jump on the show, man. So thanks for doing it here. Episode 150. I think we kind of had to have you on since you've been uh, been our best guest through 150 episodes. So thanks for doing this, Harm. Thanks, boys. And a big thank you to Harmon Dial for joining us here on the big episode 150. On the other side, we're going to dive into a mailbag. We sent out the call for questions, and we got a ton of them. So we'll get into quite a bit of those. We're going to talk a little bit of Canucks, uh, but there are some questions that are non-Canucks related. So let's go to a quick commercial break right now, and we'll see you guys on the other side. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Moving on along, we want to throw a big shout out to our friends over at Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka as well. Couple of new releases from each of these guys right now. Mike's Hard has released the new White Freeze. It's here from the 90s to freeze your summer with refreshing cream soda flavor, as well as Neutral 
Vodka launching their new juice line with their regular vodka sodas now, including fruit juice flavors to spice it up a little bit. I know I'm into that because I love my sweeter drinks. Uh, so be sure to check out the new Mike's Hard White Freeze as well as the brand new Neutral Juiced series. And if you're of legal drinking age, head on down to the local BC liquor store and pick yourself up a six pack of one of these new drinks. And a big thank you to our sponsors. We're diving into the second half of the episode now. We sent out the call for questions, quads, and we got a ton of them. But first, man, episode 50, big round number. It feels pretty cool to get to this number, I think. It does. It's a big accomplishment for you. It's a big accomplishment for us. What did I... I think my first episode with you was episode 60, was it not? Yep. Uh, 61 was the first one that you joined me for as a co-host, but I think episode 16 might have been the first one that you came on as a guest, yeah. Yes. Yes, okay. I do... Yes, okay. I remember that. I... Yeah. We gotta listen back. I want to listen back to that first episode I came on because I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was pretty funny. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a little, I'm a little better at pretending I know what I'm doing now. But anyways, let's get to the mailbag, Chris. I'm pretty excited for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Put out the, uh, put out the call for questions, you know, just put it out there. Ask us anything. There's going to be some hockey questions. There's going to be some non-hockey questions. Um, shout out to Calvin Cooper. We got a million, uh, questions from him sent in. Uh, so we'll dive into a bunch of his as we go. Uh, might as well right on, you know, and just kind of start with Calvin. Since he went hard for us, uh, let, let's dive into one of his first questions. I love this one. If you had to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner for every meal a week, which would you choose? Quads, we'll start with you. Breakfast, undoubtedly. No question. I love breakfast and I love breakfast food. No question. But I think, isn't there like some science behind it that if you don't, that if you, like breakfast is the meal you don't, or no, breakfast is the most important meal. But I remember reading somewhere that it's like you can wake up and go a while without eating, but you can't go your whole day. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I know for me personally, I'm hungry in the morning. I'm hungry right in the morning. I need my breakfast right away. So breakfast for me. I normally don't eat my first meal until like, normally like two o'clock. Probably two oh. o'clock is when I get my first meal in. Like I'll I'll eat breakfast if it's there. Like if breakfast is presenting itself, I'll eat it in the morning. But if I'm just like going through a regular day, I don't know. I just I don't really like eating that much in the morning. Really? That's yeah. that is shocking. I and the thing is, I can make breakfast food really easily. You know, I'm not the best cook, but man, I my French toast that's like my best dish, mm. man. And I. Yeah, breakfast food we've, is my life. We've talked about having a French toast cook-off, actually, on the show before. Maybe that was on a Patreon episode, but yeah. I know that's something that we've talked about in the past. We need to have, you know, a neutral judge to uh, to vote on which French toast is better, but I'd, I'd put mine up against anyone's, too. Yeah, okay, I think that's going to have to happen. Once numbers go down, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to do it, man. Yeah, I, I think for this one, I'm, is there a difference between lunch and dinner food? I don't think there is, right? Well, you wouldn't have a sandwich for dinner. I would, because I'm Italian, but most people That's wouldn't true. have, like, a sandwich for dinner, right? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think When someone I says lunch, I'm... I'm thinking sandwich, for sure. Does burgers fit into lunch? Burgers is a lunch food. Yeah, but you can have burgers for dinner. I guess you can yeah. have a sandwich for dinner, too. It's just, it's not my thing. It's no. that's, that's a lunch thing for me. I'm going to go with lunch food, then, because, like, if I'm going, if I was just, like, thrown into a restaurant and told to have one thing... You know, that's like, and I had to eat that meal three times in the day. I would go with like a lunch food, and I think I'd go with like a clubhouse sandwich. And what I do with a clubhouse sandwich is you replace the tomatoes with the pickle, and that is that is the move right there. That's the clubhouse. I could do that. I think I'd go with lunch food every meal for a week. Is his question? So yeah, I could do, 
I could do lunch food because you can get some different some different sandwiches in there. Maybe you have a soup one day, even though I don't really believe in soup. I think it's I think it's the stupidest thing invented by man. Uh, but but like I I would go with lunch just because I feel like there's some variety there. At breakfast I would get tired of eggs. Like I would get tired of eggs for a full week. I couldn't do that at a lot of my meals. Well, it doesn't have to be the same thing every meal, right? Like there's multiple breakfast foods. I had waffles for lunch today. Yeah, well, that's fine. I guess you you're kind of leaning into your whole breakfast thing, man. I just I don't know. I feel like having cereal at dinner wouldn't be like the thing that that got me through the night, you know? Like I I'm like that with like with dinner food, like I like to have a big dinner. I'll have a big dinner most nights and it needs to have like a big thing of either carbs or meat. Like I need one of those two things on mm-hmm. my dinner plate, and I think that would be tough to to have like every meal for a week because I wouldn't want to wake up in the morning and have steak and potatoes. Like, I, I wouldn't be into that. But later in the day, hell yeah. So that, that's kind of the tough part for me to look into this. But I think that... I think I'm going to go with lunch just because there's some variety there. And it's a little bit light. And, like, I'm down for light meals throughout the day. That's interesting. You know what, I, you know what I've never had and I really want to try? And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll be on the road. I think when I turn 21... Well, I, oh my gosh, I'm 21 already. Holy cow. What I meant to say is when... <laughs> the border opens and we're able to travel again. I think you and I need to go to Vegas. We got to get, get a few people, go to Vegas, get some of our friends, go to Vegas. I want to try Bruxy. It's that chicken and waffles place that Botch really liked. And, yes. uh, J Pat talked about it. I think in the farewell Pat cast episode, he's like, if you ever, if you're ever in Vegas, go to Bruxy, uh, just snap a pick. I really want to try Bruxy. And it's not only just because it was Botch's favorite spot. It's also because I've just never tried chicken and waffles and it sounds Ooh. disgusting to me. So, Ooh. No, listen, so the only place I would try it is at Bruxy, because I know that's a place that it's like, oh, that's like the world's best chicken and waffles, so it's, okay. I'm going to have to go there, that's the, that's the place I'm going to try chicken and waffles for the first time, because I've seen it, you know, I'll go to like IHOP or Denny's, it's like, try our chicken and waffles, it's like, how about no, and I don't want to try chicken and waffles, like, there was, it, there was a spot in Burnaby I went to, uh, a Korean ooh, yeah. place that did, um, I know, Korean yep, I know chicken what you're and waffles, yeah, and it was very good, it had, um, so like the fried chicken had ramen, like what you would put on your ramen noodles, it had like that sprinkled on top of it, and it was excellent. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it was called. You might know better than me, but it was, it was really good. I, I haven't been back there in a long time. Uh, went there like right as the pandemic was just starting, like I guess a year ago now, which is crazy. Um, but like that place, man, it was yeah, it was ramen, fried chicken, and waffles, and it was unreal. Okay, was it a Korean restaurant? I think so. I feel like it was. I'm not 100% sure. I can't exactly okay, now, now remember. Now you've thrown me off. I thought it was the Grey Olive. The Grey Olive Cafeteria. But Might that's be. not a Korean restaurant. No, I don't think so. The owners uh, are Korean. Well, that maybe it was then. Because it was okay. like... It was all... Like, it had a lot of Korean food in it, which I absolutely love. I love Korean food spice. I think it's like different. one of the best... I think it's a different restaurant. We're not going to keep naming restaurants in Burnaby. So no. let's just... Uh, let's move on to the next question, Chris. All right, I have, I gotta, I have one right... Okay, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, I got a good one too because this is uh, this is good. This is from Chef Swagger uh, from Hell's Kitchen. Uh, in the spirit of Easter weekend, which kind of candy do you prefer, chocolate or gummies? Chocolate for sure. Chocolate. I'm on the other boat. I like my gummies. I like my sour stuff. Oh no, I don't. I don't. Not the same way. Not like I don't mind it, but not near. Like okay, if I'm in the checkout line, which I was the other day. And I'm stuck between, I see Mars bars, Twix bars, whatever, and, like, Maynards. That's what they're called, right? The the ones with Sour Patch Kids or whatever? Sour mm-hmm. Patch Kids, which, by the way, my favorite of those are the 
what are the, what's the berries? What are they called? Dang, I, I like I like the peach fuzz ones. I don't like Sour Patch Kids. That's something that I've for some reason I've never enjoyed. But I like the berries and I like the peach fuzz. But if I'm stuck between those and chocolate bars, like I mentioned, I'm always going with the chocolate bar. Like you can't go wrong with a good chocolate bar. And you know what I've been doing lately, Chris? You know this. I play Warzone with you. You go by the Mars Bites, right? Right. I get those, I get a nice big bag, like five bucks at Safeway, make a bag of popcorn, I mix in the Mars Bites, oh, just delicious. Like, the butter gets on the Mars bar, oh, it's it's fantastic. Everybody should go try it. That's a, yeah, that's a, an elite move, I like that. I just, I, and my girlfriend can vouch for this, because she loves chocolate, she goes nuts about it. Um, and she'll be like, oh, do you want a bite? And, like, I have to always make her, like, cut it in half, because I just, too much chocolate just, like, doesn't, doesn't do me well. It's just too sweet for me. Like, even, like, simple chocolates, like... The chocolates that I like have to have, like, a lot of something else in it. Like, Reese, like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are a great example of, of something that has a little bit of chocolate on the outside, but a lot of something on the inside. Like, that's the way that I like chocolate. I wouldn't go out and just buy, like, a not like a Hershey's. Hershey's is a bad example because it's not good chocolate. But, like, a just, like, a quality chocolate bar that's all chocolate, like, I couldn't do that. It needs to have, like, some sort of filling just because chocolate's just, I don't know. It's just too much for me. It's too rich, I think, is the way to say it. Like, some chocolate's like that for me, but, like, I can't go wrong with a Kit Kat. You know what I mean? Like, I'll eat a Kit Kat any time of yeah. day. That's a lot of inside, though. There's, there's like, a lot of filling in that. It's not a lot of chocolate. I'm with you there. Yep, that's true. That's that's very true. That's very, very true. I have yeah, a question I, lined up, Chris. Okay, I, I would have to go to with it. gummies, though. I, I would go with gummies for sure. Uh, I like my sweets. Like, I know this isn't a gummy, but if I was in the similar spot that you're talking about, you're about to pay and you're, you know, you're in that spot. Normally the Walmarts are the worst because they put you through those, the, if you go to self-pay, you know, oh, and you have to walk yeah. down that full, like, zigzag and it's just snacks for a full, like, you know, 30 second walk. Oh, it's probably not 30 seconds, but it feels like 30 seconds. Uh, and like the one that I've been going to, and lately I, it's been bad for it, but there's this like Skittles flavor. I think it's called Skittles bright side. It's in a blue bag. And it is delicious. Like, the five different flavors that they have in the Skittles are each very different, which is huge for a bag of Skittles, because some of them all taste the same. You also don't have lemon or lime, which are the worst flavors of Skittles out there. And this one is just, like, it's like pink lemonade, watermelon. Like, it's all the best flavors that I would love. Uh, so I think Brightside is what it's called. Brightside Skittles. And I know that's not a gummy or a chocolate, but that's what I'm going to go with on Easter weekend. That's fair. I've actually had Brightside Skittles, and you're, you're bang on. They're very, very that's- good. I used to love sour Skittles when I was younger. Now I can't do it anymore. I'm too old. And, and that feels weird to say. But, like, I am too old to eat sour Skittles. It just wrecks my mouth too much. Like, I used to love them. I would destroy bags of sour Skittles. But uh, the bright side, very, very good. All right, what question do you got? Can you give us a breakdown of your favorite teams across every league, every major sports league? And they've even included, like, European football, tennis, F1, golf. I don't know anything about F1. One of my friends is really into it. Actually, a couple of my friends are really into F1. Uh, but I guess I'll go first because, okay, the person said NHL, uh, Canucks, or nobody because you're media. And I think I lean more toward the second one. Like, you know, we both got started in this business because we were passionate about the Canucks and writing. And then you kind of, it becomes work and it turns a little bit. And now, obviously, Oh, actually, uh, never mind. Um, but what I will say is I do have teams around the league that I really enjoy watching. And I think probably my favorite team to watch play is the Colorado Avalanche right now. But it's tough because, like, you're not really, like, a fan. You know what you mean? You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to see 
definitely for the Canucks right now, you want to see them succeed because it's cool when they're winning. Like the reaction on Twitter, it's awesome, and I like seeing it for the fans. Like that's that's great seeing them win. But you know, we're also not like super invested into the team. You know what I mean? Like I don't get sad if the Canucks lose, but I definitely do when the Blue Jays lose and the Yankees lose. And yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I'm like with MLB, Chris. I'm definitely. Actually, sorry, you give your NHL take. Who's your favorite NHL team? Well, my, my favorite team's the Canucks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really have another one. I don't really like a lot of other teams. I feel like it's going to be interesting to see with Seattle coming in, because I like the idea of Seattle having a hockey team, and I love the idea of Seattle getting back a sports team after you know what they've had to go on through with their sports team. So I like that idea, but if they're going to be the Canucks rivals, I can't be liking the Kraken. Um, so I don't really like anyone else. I just I think I just like certain players. You know, I'm similar to you. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the way that Nathan McKinnon plays. Like, man, he's I just love the way of like how dominant he could be on the ice, but still be so fast. And, you know, throwing helmets at people, that's hilarious. So, like, I'm a huge fan of Nathan <laughs> McKinnon. Uh, I like a lot of players around the league. Uh, I used to, like, I still do like him. But, like, man, when, when Eric Carlson was in his prime, that was, like, one of the most exciting players to watch for me. I loved watching Eric Carlson when he was at his peak. Um, Sidney Crosby when he was younger. And then just, yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of players kind of stick out to me, not as much uh, other teams. Like, I don't, I've never, never had a vested interest uh, in another NHL team aside from the Vancouver Canucks. Aside from, I will tell this story. Do you remember when, when was it the Edmonton Oilers got to like the Stanley Cup Finals? You must have been super young. But like, there was a point in my life where I, and I still, I think I still would be in this boat unless it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I'd be cheering for a Canadian team against anyone else in a Stanley Cup Final. Hmm, that's fair. Aside from, yeah, you want to see from Canada the win it. Even like there's apparently apparently there's like a rivalry with the Canucks and, and Flames and you know it's kind of like grown a little bit with all the transfer of players but like I don't hate the Flames like they're not a Canucks rival to me really I don't think the Canucks really have a rival they did back when Chicago was a rival of them that was a rivalry but you know with Seattle coming in I think that's going to be the rival but I would I would cheer for every Canadian team aside from the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup over other teams just because you know it'd be nice to see the Cup come back to Canada. Ever since you know, what was it 1993 when the when the Montreal Canadiens won? Like it's been that long since a Canadian team has been able to have the Stanley Cup. It's crazy. Wow, that is crazy, man! What a drought! Holy cow! Yes, I yeah, you're absolutely right. I'd be cheering for any Canadian team for sure. NFL, Chris, this is the this is the one that I don't really have much. I'll just I'll just rapid fire NFL, NBA. MLS, European football, tennis, and golf, because those are the other ones on here. I'll save MLB for the last because I got a lot to say about it. But NFL, my favorite team, probably Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I like the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, I'm a big fan of. I, I know the Jets have no direction and they suck, but that's that's one of my teams. NBA, uh, don't really care too much about the NBA. I've always been a Chicago Bulls fan. Like I was a Bulls fan from Derrick Rose. I don't know if you remember him. He was what got me into basketball. I had D yeah, Rose I, shoes. I know, I know who Derrick Rose is, Quads. Okay, well, I don't know if you watch basketball. Anyway, yeah, Derrick Rose got me into basketball. So Chicago Bulls were my favorite team. Uh, I watch the Raptors sometimes, but I also really like to see them lose. Uh, and then MLS, obviously the Whitecaps, really not a huge soccer guy. European football, though. That's Juventus, for sure. The homeland. Mm. Me and my nonno watch a lot of Juventus games back in the day. Uh, so, yeah, Juventus, for sure. Tennis, Bianca Andrescu probably. She's, like, the only tennis player that I've, like, actually turned on the television to watch. So, I'd, I'd say her. Uh, and then golf, Tiger Woods. Just just nothing beats Tiger Woods, man. So, that's mm. that's that's my rapid fire there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to pull up the tweet here so I can, I can uh, get the names right. 
Yeah, well, you've uh, got yeah, NFL, go the whole thing. NBA. Okay, okay, I got it here. I got it here. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go through mine. Then you could finish with your your love for the Blue Jays with your MLB team. Uh, I'll say mine at the end too. So we'll save MLB for after. My NFL teams, the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, everyone hates that. I kind of like that. It's not really a sport that I follow, but I love telling people that I'm a Patriots fan because it it just gets people pissed off. <laughs> you know, because of what the Patriots have been uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, so I'm a Patriots fan. Uh, you know, I was watched. There's a good story about it. I could, I'll tell it one day. Maybe not today on the podcast, but uh, how I became a Patriots fan. Uh, mm. For NBA, it's it's just the Raps. You know, I like I like this the We the North thing. It felt like Raptors were Canada's team when they went and won the championship. Uh, so they're the only team in Canada. I support that. Um, MLB, or I'll save that for the end. MLS, I I, I could care less. Uh, MLS isn't a great product for me to watch, to be 100 <laughs> honest. I guess I guess the Whitecaps would be there uh, for European football. Wherever Zlatan Ibrahimovic is playing, that's my freaking squad. I don't follow it enough, but I love Ibrahimovic. I think he's like one of my one of my top, might be my favorite athlete. Uh, of all time, just the way that he his attitude and the way that he plays the game and scores and and when I did play a lot of FIFA back in the day, I would kind of just play with whatever team Ibra was on. Uh, he's my boy. Um, so that's European football, or he's on, you know, I'd... he's on Milan in City A in Italy. Okay, so, well, whatever. I thought I thought he was in the MLS for for like I he was years he was LA Galaxy, and then he moved back. He's in uh, Italy now. Well, good to hear that he's back in Europe playing because I know he's talked a lot of crap about MLS <laughs> over his time. <laughs> well, well, he was in the MLS talking crap about yes. it. Uh, so that's that's my. I don't have a European football team, but Ibra's my guy uh, for tennis. It's Bianca Andreescu. Love watching her play. I think she's excellent. It's cool that she's Canadian. So she's uh, she's my girl on the tennis court. Uh, F one. You so you haven't seen that documentary right on, no. on F one then? Okay, no. I forget what it's even called now. I'd have to I'd have to remember. But Daniel uh, Daniel Ricardo, he's he's like the first guy I think that's in that documentary. And like within the first few scenes, I was like, wow, this guy's unreal. Uh, I like Max Verstappen as well from watching that that series. Like you, you kind of like both those guys. Um, they're just pretty awesome in that documentary. Highly recommend watching. I think it's like race to. Uh, F1 race to something I can't exactly remember, but I highly recommend that uh, that documentary. As you can tell by me re- remembering the name. Uh, and then for golf, man, it's just always Tiger. I like Phil because he's a lefty. I'm a lefty on the golf course, but it's it's Tiger, you know, through and through for golf. So let, let's get to MLB because that's the I think that's the second sport that we both follow the most, right? Aside from NHL. Yes, for sure. Okay, so you go first. You can go first here. Okay, so MLB, I'm a huge baseball fan. Like, I, I know baseball very, very well. I, I like to like to make sure I point that out because I've just played it my whole life, watched it my whole life. Huge baseball guy. So the Jays are, like, I, I was a fan of the Jays because of Roy Halladay, right? And then Ricky Romero came through, and I was a fan of him. Um, and then Jose Bautista, like, these guys just... There was, there was always a player that I always gravitated toward in every year, and the Jays didn't really have that ace pitcher uh i guess in recent years it was like marcus stroman who i who i am a fan of but you know like i was a pitcher i always loved pitchers so yeah roy halliday ricky romero were my guys and that, that's what kind of got me into baseball but my dad was always a yankees fan and he, he like the yankees cleveland indians like those are the teams that i pay attention to uh you know huge mike clevenger fan 
I'm going to try not to talk about baseball too long because I saw someone tweeting about how <laughs> their biggest pet peeve is when a hockey podcast or hockey radio show turns into baseball talk. So I'll try not to talk for too much longer. But, man, there's just so much going on with baseball right now. Like, man, I'm a huge fan of Fernando Tatis. I just, like, I have MLB TV and I can basically watch any team. Like, I don't know if you saw the Mariners won in extra innings. I love the new extra innings rule starting a runner on second. I'm going to stop this baseball rant. But, yeah, my favorite team is probably the Jays or Yankees. Uh, and I know that's funny because they're in the same division. But, you know, the Yankees always make the playoffs, and I'm always rooting for the Jays to make the playoffs over the Yankees. But if the Jays don't make it, which they usually don't, Yankees are my team from that point on. So, yeah, I'll, I'll save Blue Jays, Yankees, and then the rest of the league I watch as well. Fair. Well, that's good. I, you know, I obviously played baseball growing up, uh, played a lot of it. I think that the the team and the guy that, like, made me fall in love with baseball was Edgar Martinez. Do you know who this is? Yeah, of course. I, come on. Yes, yes, I know oh, who really? Edgar Martinez is. Oh, really? Because you just asked me who D. Rose was 10 minutes ago. So Edgar <laughs> Martinez uh, was a DH, and I didn't know what the position DH was for you know when I first started watching baseball. And I think I've told this on the pod before, but like when yeah. I learned that you could just go up and hit, when I learned what a designated hitter does, I was so in love with that position on baseball because I don't like playing defense. I don't like pitching. I don't like any of that. I just like to swing the bat. And learning that that was a position, I learned that from Edgar Martinez because his games used to be you know, broadcasted here on Sportsnet Pacific all the time. So growing up watching him, uh, his team had like Aaron Boone was on that team. Uh, or no, was it Brett Boone? Yeah, it was Brett Boone on that team, right? Was yes. on the, the yeah. Seattle, yeah, Seattle Mariners for a while. He was there, and then when Ken Griffey Jr. was there, like those three guys were like the guys that I loved watching. I remember Olerud, uh, John Olerud used to wear a helmet when he played first base. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I just like, yeah, I guess that that age of of the Mariners kind of made me fall in love with them. I like when the Blue Jays do good. I, I think that they just have like cool players over the past little bit. So I'll get yeah. invested in them a little bit. Um, but I do like Seattle, just the fact that we can go down to, I don't even know what it's called now, but Safeco, Safeco T-Mobile. field used to be so T-Mobile doesn't matter. feels like Safeco to me. <laughs> uh, Safeco was like a lot of fun. We used to do some road trips. Normally every summer, go down at least once uh, typically for the Blue Jays series. And then, you know, it was, it was pretty cool to just, uh, to watch them, and I love I love the uh, the stadium there. I mean, it, it's incredible, and uh, garlic fries as well. So big Mariners fan, I guess. Uh, looking at things away from from hockey for sure. Yeah, man, I, I gotta watch more Mariners games. They're just they're so bad, but they have so many great prospects yeah. coming. Anyways, let's wrap up the uh, the baseball talk because yeah, okay. don't want to don't you, wanna piss uh, off anybody more. You have some pretty good questions if you want to dive into a couple. Of yeah, years. I, I have a couple more in mind, but yeah, let's go like maybe one or two more each here. Let's go rapid fire. Couple rapid okay. fire, the quick one. This is a yes or no answer, Chris. Would you ever try the premixed Crown and Cokes? I probably would. I would try it. Uh, I don't like Crown and Coke, but if it was a, uh, I saw this question, and I thought, man, if they were to release like a tall can of Crown Apple and ginger, I would one hundred percent buy that. If they were able to mix it like just ginger ale and Crown Apple into a can, I would one hundred percent buy that. Okay, this person asked what our PC's backstory is in our D and D game. Uh, I can go first. Mine's Tony DeGuido. Uh, he's recently been let go from his place of employment and yeah, he's just trying to, trying to save Eberron or wherever we are. Shadow marches, something like that. I don't know. Uh, Daniel Wagner's our dungeon master and he knows everything and we're playing with a bunch of people who don't know anything about D and D. So <laughs> every week is a, every week is a crapshoot, but yeah, that's my character's backstory. Yeah. My guys, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say my name. My guy's a, a high end draft. Name. My guy's a, a top draft pick. 
type of guy who had a lot of potential and you know good good on the ice does has a lot of great skills but just can't seem to put it all together but damn can my guy climb that's that's all my guy <laughs> in D&D can do is climb and if there's something to climb I am absolutely climbing it um, so yeah that's that's my guy on D&D and yeah we don't know much about it we like, man I always say like I don't know if it's going to be possible but if we can ever like release us playing that it would just be it would be like the best content all of us have ever put out and it would be Amazing. a lot of fun. Like it yeah. is that's the most fun I've been having through quarantine here is just, you know, playing D&D with the boys and I I missed last week so I felt really bad but uh, you know, I you guys need me. Like when something is is needed to be climbed, I'm there. Like I'm the guy who's going to climb I'm climbing into holes so that I could climb out with somebody else, you know? Like I, that's what I'm here to do. My climbing is me. Like that's that's it. So that's, I got the one skill and I'm leaning on it. Amazing. Question I was really excited to answer, Chris. Hashtag ask us anything. Can you recall a favorite Botchford rant? If you could dig up some audio to correspond, that would be amazing. We don't have the audio. I'm sure you've heard it. I'll go first, Chris. My favorite Botchford rant of all time is him talking about Thunderstruck on the Power Hour with Halford <laughs> and Bruff. Just amazing radio where they start playing it. Chris starts playing the clip and Botch is just like fist bumping playoff atmosphere look at my team like it's so perfect it is so perfect and that clip is by far my favorite botch fruit rant i don't know if you'd call it a rant but it, it's there for me for sure yeah mine isn't actually a rant either because it's really easy to pick the best rants everybody knows them like we need an army is is by far i think the best rant yeah. from botch so i'm gonna kind of just go with a moment as well and this is a long moment but like the entirety of I guess it would even be like a three episode stretch. Like the episode before and the episode after of the Tyson chicken is like <laughs> some of the best podcasting I've ever heard when they're like the main episode, when they're like addressing it is so funny, but like the preamble going up and like the reaction after seeing people's reaction to like the main Tyson foods episode, like, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I'll go back and listen to that episode. Maybe like, you know, once every five months or something just to like, just to absolutely have like a, a laughing attack because it's it's so funny to hear Botch like break down the whole Tyson Foods situation, <laughs> how they're being run by the, like the chicken overlords. Like it's just absolutely hilarious. So like that's that's my number one kind of like moment. Oh. But yeah, like rant the rant ones are easy. Like like the the he's thirty four rant is just is so good. Um, obviously that we need an army. Uh, like it, it's yeah. hard. There's there's so many and it's it's unfortunate that it's so tough to to pull up these audios I'm, I'm doing a project right now at bcit um involving you know something about my life and and with jason botchford being involved in it as well and it's it's hard to find these audios man so like you know i gotta i gotta do some more digging on twitter and see if i can find it there because it's really hard to find in other places online gotta talk to clutch man clutch has them all go talk yeah to him, true sure. that sure all right i got up. one uh i got a good one here this is from from pratib ha underscore uh, her question is, what conspiracy theory would you want to start? I love conspiracy theories. I love them all. So what, do you have one right off the top quads? Like it doesn't like, it could be one that's going on. I think too. What, like I want it to be, which conspiracy theory do you think is real? That's what I want this question to say. Oh man. I don't want to get into this. Like I, we're definitely not getting into this on the show. This is a favorite quads shoot the, uh, shoot the bleep episode yeah, right here. Yeah, that's pe- what this material is. I, people I'm, I'm on the Patreon know people on the Patreon know that Dave is a flat earther. He thinks the earth is flat <laughs> and that's what he talks about all the time on the Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash Canucks combo to hear Dave talk about flat earth. 
Oh my gosh, yes, flat earth masks. I've recently been told that they don't work, so there's that too. Uh, Again, just a joke. I'm not actually a flat earther or an anti-masker, but uh, conspiracy theory that I would start, Chris? Like, I've talked about it before. Like, I have an interest in starting, like, a conspiracy Canuck account because it's just, like... There's so much that goes on, and I don't know. There's, like, there's conspiracy theories about who Caleb is. Now people think Taj is, well, like, a few, very select few people think Taj is, like, evil Vancouver media taking turns on the account <laughs> and just all this other stuff that's going on. It's, like, I don't, I don't even think I have the mental capacity to start a theory right now that could top anything that's out there already. Like, the stuff that's out there right now, like, the chicken conspiracy, you just can't, it doesn't beat that. Like, nothing's ever going to beat Tyson Chicken. Like, these ones about who's running whose account, it's just, that's all stupid petty stuff. But, man, Tyson Chicken, that was a well thought out. That was like, if you look on the stock market, TSN, boom, right there. And it's Tyson Chicken, and it's just, oh, it was amazing. Like, the way it worked, it was just the mental gymnastics. That's what made it such a great conspiracy theory, was because there were so many mental gymnastics to make it work. But when you're reading it, you're like, okay, I can get on board with this. But then he just loses you once jpats like i don't even work for post media and it was just <laughs> game over oh man just amazing but yeah i i don't think i'd want to start any conspiracy theories if it were it'd be a canucks one yeah i would i wouldn't know which one to start like it, it's weird to start one i i want to answer this as which one I, I thought would be real you know like what conspiracy theory i want to be real <laughs> the one that i think is hilarious and i see this one a lot like i think a lot of people believe this but like that birds are are actually like just surveillance <laughs> things like pigeons like are actually just like surveillance and like because yeah. like there's like have you ever seen a baby pigeon before like there's that <laughs> question that goes out it's like well i guess i haven't you know like are birds <laughs> actually just spying on people i love that conspiracy theory i think it's ridiculous uh but i like growing up i was such a, a fan of like Loch Ness Monster and Sasquatch like I thought it was so I was so into it when I was a kid I I would like go out in the forest and hope that I would be able to catch Sasquatch or at least see him you know with my my flip phone back in the day trying to take a picture of him uh you know probably faked a couple pictures back in the day you know with the friends and put it on Nexopia saying that I saw saying that I saw Sasquatch or Bigfoot I just think that that's uh if that was real it'd be a lot of fun just having like a Loch Ness Monster and like the way that people think that it looks like if that was literally just living among us Right now, like in the modern day, it would be insane. It would be so crazy. And same with same with Sasquatch and Bigfoot or the Yeti or everything. Like, to think that somebody like that is just walking around in the swamp somewhere, like, it's crazy. I love that idea. What the hell is Nexopia? Yeah, yeah, I know. This is the problem. Or Pixo. You know, I had a Pixo account. These were these were social medias before you knew social media, man. Okay, yeah. This is I like, like before MySpace, I think, too. I dude, I like grew up on Facebook. Like Facebook was like the first social media I signed up for. Yeah, no, Nexopia was hot, man. People of my age, people will know. Like, and maybe a couple, like, couple years older than me. You wanted like Nexopia. You're like, if you had a lot of friends on Nexopia, it was a flex. It was an absolute flex. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, I have another one. Taco okay. Tuesday or Wing Wednesday? This oh. is from Calvin Cooper, by the way. Oh, Calvin, that's a good one. Damn. You gotta go first, Quad. I, I need some time to think about this. I love both. I had tacos last night on Wednesday, so that really puts a jump in this question because I had Dude, tacos on Wednesday. This is a tough question. Really good question, Calvin, Ooh. but I'm gonna go with Wing Wednesday, and I really like tacos, but it's, I'm going Wing Wednesday. Like, I, I am. I'm going Wing Wednesday. You can't go wrong with a nice bucket of wings. 
Yeah, I I think I'm with you. I like I think chicken wings is one of my favorite foods. I just like chicken. Like I think my favorite meat is chicken. Like I love chicken thighs. Chicken wings are excellent. Shout out to the Landlubber Pub. Uh, you know, back in Nanaimo, people know uh, best wings in town, and that's that's one of the first stops I need to go back when when the world opens back up and I can go to the island, which I can't wait to do so much. Uh, this damn, this is a good question though because tacos are so good too. Like tacos on Tuesday is a staple. You know, like back when I was living with like my boys back on the island and we had a boys house, like we did, we had taco Tuesdays every Tuesday, you know, like that was a thing. It just, you, we came home on Tuesday, we were making tacos. Like we didn't do that on Wednesday. We go out for wings a lot. And I think that's why I'm leaning towards wings is because I'm thinking of all the memories I have of like getting drunk and eating chicken wings. And it's hard to like, hard to beat those memories. And don't get me wrong. I've had taco Tuesdays where there's been a lot of tequila involved as well, but I think I got to go with wing Wednesdays. I think if I could have wings every Wednesday, I'd be a happy boy. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Are cargo yeah. pants still the most functional piece of clothing? Again, from Calvin. I think he, I think they have to be. I think he's right. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw this question and I thought it was a good one, but I really like most functional for sure. Right. I mean, it's hard to beat them. I mean, the pullaways like this might have been before your time as well, but they had buttons down the side. You just ripped them right off and got on the court. Well, they still have them. It's still a thing. I mean, you probably know what these pants are, but like. I just think it's hard to beat basketball shorts, man. Like, as for pants and pieces of clothing, piece of clothing, it wasn't just bottoms, I guess. No. But, I mean, they have to be. They have to be, right? But think about, like, a jacket. If you have a jacket with a lot of pockets, you know, it's going to keep you warm. Like, are cargo pants going to keep you that much warmer than than just a regular pair of pants? Because a jacket's going to keep you very warm in the winter, right? So I think you have to look at it from that way as well. Interesting. Very interesting theory, Chris. There's one it's hard. last question. It's hard. Cargo yeah. pants are great. I love cargo pants. I wear sweatpants, cargo pants, and basketball shorts. That's that's basically my outfits every day. Interesting. I'm just I'm just reading the, these questions, and we've got some really good ones. Like Corey K Town Chief, he basically said, if Benning is still GM next year, should he be petitioning for a better schedule like Gillis did during his tenure, and how lopsided the schedule was for the Canucks? I don't know. Yes. Like yes. Yes, he should, right? But it's also yeah. like, do you think he will? <laughs> no, no, he won't. <laughs> of course, yeah. He won't. Okay, okay, good. As long as as long as we all understand that, he uh, should, okay. but he won't. It's like a lot of the things Jim Benning does. He should, but he won't. Well, I've got to text Luke. Luke, the bartender, a good friend of mine, just asked us, "Are you excited for Warzone to jump onto 1980s Verdansk?" What does he mean? Man. Like, yeah, it- there's. I've seen the changes to the map. This is the thing I spent. My TikTok is basically all food restaurants in Richmond and Vancouver. It's just TikToks about that. And then TikToks about, uh, about Verdansk and, and everything that goes on in Warzone, like loadouts. That's, I love it. That's why I like TikTok. It's like, oh, it's so stupid. It's for kids and stuff. It's like, yeah, but you should see my feed, man. It's all Warzone and all food. It's a great combination now. Um, and yeah, it's switching maps. There's a lot of different, um, I guess like different multiplayer maps, I think that are coming together to make the new Verdansk. And I'm excited for a change, man. We've had this game for like a year now. You know, and we've been playing a lot of it, obviously. We got a win the other night, not a big deal at all. I mean, it was it was great for the boys to finally get a win, man. It was our first win in a long time. But I'm ready for I'm ready for a change. I think I'm ready for a change to the map. Yeah, man. Uh, we have been playing a lot. I've been grinding really hard for that 80s <laughs> yeah, you pop have. pack. Yeah, I know. Same here. You and me are grinding for the same thing. Like, our battle pass numbers are, are going up. Okay, uh, let's, let's wrap things up. We, uh... You know, didn't talk much hockey at all this episode because there's not a lot to get into. But 
Um, next week on the pod, we got a big, uh, big interview coming up for the midweek show. We're going to talk a lot more Canucks there. Uh, I want to finish with the final question here that I think, unless you got one more, do you want to get one more in quads? No, we have so many. I think we might have to do a second yeah. one on Wednesday. Yeah, I know. Or move some of these into a Patreon maybe for next week. Yeah. Um, uh, final question. And actually somebody answered it with the right answer, uh, from Sean Warren, two, three, four, uh, his question, your favorite type of cookie. Hmm. Those Costco cookies are really good. Yeah, the yeah, ones. they're hard to beat. You know what? You yeah. go on a weekend getaway, like camping or off to a cabin, like the boys are bringing like five of those for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's but, my answer. But it's not the best. And and Disto, loyal listener of the show, ready to call us out anytime we uh, mispronounce a name, and we appreciate him for that sometimes. Yep. Uh, He's so the best. His, his answer is correct. His answer is bang on. It's Subway's white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. It's just something about the, the Subway cookies where they still have like a little bit of cookie dough texture to them. You know, that's the thing for me. That's fair. I've never had that cookie for obvious really? reasons. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You can't have macadamia nut, can you? No, I can't. So. Oh. I'll take your word for it, though, bud. That's (laughs) tough. You know what? That sucks, like, for the allergies and stuff. Like, I know a lot of people that are, like, my old landlord, listener of the show, Patreon supporter as well, shout out Neil, Um, he he was lactose intolerant. I don't think he is anymore. Like, he grew out of it or something. Like, he's just not lactose intolerant anymore for some reason. But when he was, he could take these pills, and then he could go have, like, a blizzard. That was his thing. Like, every few months, he would just be feeling like he needed a blizzard really bad, and he would take these lactose pills. And then he would just go have a blizzard. It's too bad you can't do that with, like, your allergies. To just, like, go have one of these white chocolate macadamia nut cookies from Subway. Because they are they are incredible. Shout out Subway. I've... Sponsor the podcast. Yeah, please sponsor us, Subway. Even I've though go... I'm pretty sure in the past we've talked a lot of crap about Subway sandwiches. But uh, <laughs> if they want to pay us money, you know, that was all just a bunch of jokes. So, yep, if Subway wants exactly. to hop on board, I was just joking about the sandwiches being trash once you're past the age of 15. So I was just kidding about that. Amazing. I've got to go to get tested for allergies again. I haven't got tested for allergies since I was like 13. So I think it's time. I think I got to go yeah. get checked out. I, I've never, like, I've never been allergic to anything. So uh, I thought I was allergic to the sun because of this thing where I look at the sun and like sneeze. And I was like, am I allergic to looking at the sun? That's the only thing I feel like I, I'm allergic to. I'm, I'm clearly not. Georgia Twist has told me what it's called, actually, because she has yes. it too. Like if you see sunlight, even if it like reflects off a car or something and it hits your eyes, like you sneeze. It, it's really weird. But that's like, I've, I've been lucky. I'm not allergic to anything. I'm happy with that. Amazing. Wish we could trade places on that one. I wish I was allergic <laughs> to the sun. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Well, um, I there's another question, and maybe we'll get to this. Let's do this on the Patreon. Um, but from, from Bob's question was, what's your all time NHL lineup? So we'll save that as a teaser Patreon. Uh, for the Patreon. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll answer some more of these questions on the Patreon, and maybe we'll put out another call and do another Patreon mailbag. If you guys want to hop on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. $5 will get you involved. Hero Tier for $10, that'll get you very involved, uh, and we'd love to see you there. But uh, I think we'll wrap things up here, Quads. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. Not a lot of hockey talk. I mean, we didn't really – like, everybody knows what's going on with the Canucks COVID situation right now. We don't know any more than what you're reading on Twitter. Right, like yeah. we're we're not gonna add to the the conversation very much. We just wanted to have some fun uh, and kind of just stick away from that. If you know, the only thing I want to mention is these people like talking talking crap, and I think a lot of people are making a big deal of it because I'm not seeing a lot of people doing it. But I have seen you know a handful of tweets of like just just mean things towards these players. These guys have COVID now, you know, like that's that's a tough spot to be in. Just having 
having the virus now in you. It's a tough spot to be in. So, you know, well wishes to the Canucks. I, I hope they can get on the ice soon, but I also, above that, I just hope that they're healthy in the end. I, don't, I just don't think we really wanted to dive into the whole COVID thing on a podcast because people know what's going on. The games are canceled. The Canucks are, you know, eight players now with COVID, some coaches as well. Um, you know, we just didn't want to spend a whole podcast talking about it. The maximum reporting will do is saying that there is internal belief that that number is going to grow. So, Hopefully that's not the case, but the Canucks are expecting that there's going to be more positive cases coming down the pipeline. So by the time you're listening to this, number might be higher than yeah. eight. So we hope for the best. We hope everybody's staying healthy out there listening to the podcast, but also we do hope that everybody recovers here. Like, man, Michaela tweeted out, Adam's not feeling great. Adam Gaudet is not feeling great, and it's like a really bad flu for him. Yeah, he'll probably recover, but we also know there's people who face long-term ramifications from having COVID. So hopefully these elite athletes aren't those people. So we just well, hope the for the best is, for all of them. Yeah. And the other thing is we don't really know the long-term effects, right? So we'll, we'll yeah. see if there is anything, um, but you know, hope for the best. And, and yeah, I haven't seen a lot of people doing it. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. So I guess that's a good thing. There's always going to be, you know, two or three comments that are just, are just from the, the, the most dumb people. Right. And they're just deciding to do that on social media. It's ridiculous. Um, I saw Zach McEwen's girlfriend uh, post about that. So, and his mom, um, and his mom too, yeah. You know, like yeah. that's it's nice for them to step up and, and say that's stupid and call it out. But that's you know that's what these guys want. They want to be like called out and sent on these tweets. It's ridiculous to me. But um, I don't know. That's just a series of Twitter. We we try not to go down that road very often. I just um, block them all. Yeah, you, yeah, you got it right. I mean, I don't know how I don't see all of it with my limited amount of. I told you I don't think I have anyone. I have one person muted now. Just one person. Wow. One person I, muted. I think I have one like three hundred plus people muted and i think i have like a hundred oh it's got to be over a hundred at this point blocked what, so what were we talking about about one day making like a patreon tier that was like for fifty dollars quads will explain will give you the full list of who he has well, blocked and muted i just don't want to out people because like i uh, i don't know like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna get into it but yeah I, i'm i think maybe one day if we get a x amount of patreon subs we'd have to set the over under there but once we get a certain amount i'll like i'll show the block list out to everybody yeah absolutely okay well we'll wrap things up you're all good on this episode quads big episode 150 man it was a lot of fun absolutely always is Awesome, man. Well, big shout out to Harm. You know, we talked a lot of Canucks in the first half an hour of the show here. Uh, wrap things up with a pretty fun mailbag for episode 50. I just want to say, at 150 episodes, it feels really cool to get to this number. Uh, it also feels nice to have a full-time co-host because when I used to do these big episodes, it was like a ridiculous amount of guests. I think episode 50 had like uh, nine guests on the show. Episode 25 had nine guests on the show. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's nice to not have to put one of those together. Those would take up a full day on friday um so yeah it's just pretty cool to see the show get to 150 episodes at this point it's a lot of fun and we have a lot more fun coming in the future as well so like i mentioned uh big big interview i think uh if we can get everything locked down big interview coming on next week's midweek show um it should be a lot of fun definitely a fun article to come from that as well uh got uh, a couple exciting things coming up in the future here so it's going to be a good couple of days even though we don't uh, won't be having canucks hockey we'll we'll see what we're going to talk about on the podcast i don't think we can do a mailbag every episode but it's also going to be very hard to talk about the vancouver canucks when they're not on the ice so uh for david quadrilli my name is chris faber and thank you so much for tuning in into episode 150 of the Canucks Conversation.